Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 542 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I have been coming down off the buzz of the Sydney Writers' Festival. Apart from the fabulous sessions, one of the things that I love most about the festival is bumping into all my wonderful author friends and former podcast guests, and of course, graduates of the Australian Writers' Centre. The fact that we're all under one roof, or well, uh, under several large roofs of a former railway yard, is just great. You bump into people in line, you bump into people in the loo, at the cafe, at the food truck, when you're getting wine at the end of the day, you get the idea. To be honest, it's often the connections and conversations that you have outside of the sessions that can be very enriching. I know some people who are serial conference lobby attendees, meaning they don't actually go to any sessions. They hang out in the lobby or a foyer or whatever of a conference and spend all their time networking and making connections. Of course, I think that's taking the proverbial a bit. So I think it's totally fine to do that if you get value out of it for sure. But do make sure you buy tickets to support the very event that made it all possible, right? Anyhow, I have so many ideas now as a result of both the sessions I attended and the informal conversations that I had. I just kind of need some time to process everything so I can decide which ones to pursue. Anyway, the other thing that I have been very busy doing, this is so exciting, is putting the finishing touches on our brand new course in travel writing. Yes, we did a travel writing course before, but this is a brand new edition and it's awesome. I co-created this course with one of the best full-time travel writers in the country, Katrina Lobley. Chances are that when you open the weekend newspapers, well, not just weekend, but often it's weekend, you'll see her byline. Katrina is regularly published in everything from the Sydney Morning Herald to The Australian to the Financial Review, Mind Food and countless other magazines. Katrina lives and breathes travel and one of the fabulous bonuses we've included in this course is Advice from the Road where we have videos with tips from Katrina when she's at her far-flung destinations all over the world. The course is very practical and it's going to be launched within the next couple of weeks. So here's what you want to do. Even if you're just remotely interested in getting paid to write about your travels, go to writerscentercomau slash travel. That's writerscentercomau slash travel and register your interest because then you'll get an email. I'll be sending you an email about a very special launch price. And that's the price that the travel writing course will be only at launch. It will never, ever, 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 ever be that low again. It will only be available at launch. Um, but don't worry, even though it's launching in within a couple of weeks, this is a self-paced course and you'll have access for 12 months. So you can start at any time you like. So register your interest or you will miss out on this never-to-be-repeated price at writerscentercomau travel. 
Now, I wanted to talk about an interesting discussion on the So You Want to Be a Writer Facebook page recently, well, Facebook group recently, about the role of book bloggers. Now, of course, if you haven't discovered our Facebook group, it's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Love to see you in there. But yeah, back to book bloggers. Well, first of all, what is a book blogger? A book blogger is someone who reads and reviews books on their blog or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. They'll often, but not always, have a particular genre that they prefer to read and review, although some bloggers just read, you know, everything. A good, reputable book blogger will not ask for payment from you. So if someone approaches you about reviewing your book and they ask for a fee, that's a paid review. It's not a genuine book blogger. So your question might be, is it worth approaching book bloggers and do their reviews actually make a difference? Well, here's what Pamela Freeman, author Pamela Freeman, she's written over 40 books, had to say. She says, book bloggers sell books. Any one book blogger probably doesn't sell more than a good review in the broadsheets, but several book bloggers together do. So there you go. If you've been thinking about promoting yourself and your book and you're not sure where to start, also have a look at our online course, Your Author Website, because it helps you build your professional presence online. And you can be guaranteed that a book blogger is going to be going to your website to find out if they're, you know, interested in you and if they want to find out more. So just go to writercenter.com.au slash author website if you want to check out that course. Now we have our competition. Okay, this week I have three copies of Fire with Fire by Candace Fox. Best-selling author Candace Fox is back with another gripping novel and we have three copies to give away. Fire with Fire is a unique story following the investigation of a cold case with high stakes and you won't be able to put it down until you've reached the very last page. This is crime writing at its best. Here's the blurb. A married couple launch a deadly plan to find their missing child. A half-dead man washes up on a Los Angeles beach. A rookie cop is fired on her first day. Ryan and Elsie Delaney don't accept the official line that their young daughter drowned on Santa Monica Beach. Her body has never been found and their pleas for a proper investigation are rejected. So now the desperate pair are raining hellfire on the police. Taking three hostages at the Hertzberg Davis Forensic Science Centre, they give law enforcement an ultimatum. If Tilly isn't located in the next 24 hours, they will destroy evidence in several major cases. Detective Charlie Hoskins only just survived five years embedded with the ruthless gang known as the Death Machines. All his work is in that lab. If the police won't look for Tilly, he will, even if that means accepting help from Lynette Lamb, the rookie officer sacked for blowing his cover and having him thrown to the sharks. Finding Tilly is now a matter of life and death for the Delaney's, for their hostages, for Charlie and Lamb, and for the little girl who one day simply vanished. There you go. Fire with fire. You can be guaranteed that anything written by Candace Fox is going to be a page turner. She has done so incredibly well. She's an Australian author who is a New York Times bestseller. She's co-written books with the legendary James Patterson. Her One of her books has already been turned into a TV series. That was the TV series recently, Tropo. And, of course, she's one of the presenters at the Australian Writers' Centre, and she's incredible. So just go to writerscentre.com.au slash win to win one of your 
three potential copies of Fire with Fire. Entries close on the 5th of June. That's writercentercomau slash win. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? I hope so. And also a big shout out and thank you to everyone who came up to me at the Sydney Writers' Festival to let me know that you really enjoy the word of the week. So thank you for that. All right. This week's word of the week is answering. Answering. That's A-N-S-E-R-I-N-E. Answering. I did not know this word or what this word meant either. Well, obviously not. Uh, It means resembling a goose or goose-like. And by association, it can also mean stupid or foolish or silly, which is probably a bit unfair on geese, really, who are actually quite smart animals. So, of course, it's an adjective and you can use it in a sentence like, she ran down the hall with an answering awkwardness. (laughs) You can kind of picture that, right? Anyway, and that was the word of the week. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that Alison Tate and I have written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au forward slash book. Now it's time for our Writer in Residence. Today, I'm talking to Jeanette Paul, an internationally published author of contemporary women's fiction and romantic comedies, and she's also the alter ego of award-winning suspense author Jay Ford. Her first novel won two Davitt Awards for Australian women crime writers, and her books have been translated into nine languages. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeanette. Thank you for having me, having me back. I know. So this is not actually your first time on the podcast. Way back in episode 95, you were on the podcast, but not as Jeanette Paul. I was the other me, Jay Ford. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about this, you know, these dual lives that you have, and we will get into it because I think it's fascinating that you can have a couple of different writing personalities that write completely different books. But we're here to talk about your current novel, which is The Summer Place. And um, I love the title, especially because everyone's got a summer place. Yeah. And so it's instantly evocative to people. But for people who haven't read it yet, do tell us what it's about. Okay, so the summer place is a place. It's a small town on a beach on the mid-north coast, actually. Uh, and the, the story is around three women, uh, different ages. They're late 20s, mid-30s and mid-50s. And they're all invited to attend a beach wedding on the beach, well, a barefoot wedding on the beach, but n- none of them want to go for various reasons. And so the story is really about the reasons why their life is where it is at the moment and why going back to their summer place is going to mean a lot of challenge, a lot of confrontation of themselves really as much as anything else. So it's not so much about the wedding but the reasons why going back to this beautiful place is going to be hard work for them and but ultimately everything that they need. 
And what made you think of this story? What made you want to write The Summer Place? Was it the characters that came first or or the sense of place because it has a very strong sense of place, the setting or the situation, the wedding? It was it was the, the second two, so the situation, the wedding and the place. I I actually went to a wedding on a beach on the mid-north coast. It was a weekend celebration. My husband and I hadn't expected to be invited uh, and we went along and it was just the most beautiful wedding. There was all sorts of family drama kind of going on off scene. Um, the bride was kind of estranged from her parents and she's uh, from overseas and so there were kind of people rallying around being friends, being family. We were called in as aunt and uncle, which was lovely. And it was just a beautiful wedding, lots of different people with different stories about why they had arrived at this beach. And so everyone was staying at this beautiful beach and the beach was just glorious. The wedding was just a, such a beautiful celebration and it was we were all barefoot on the sand and the bride and groom said their I do's under this beautiful floral archway just as a whole lot of scuba divers came ashore just further down the beach and it was just it was just such a beautiful wedding and the um the stories of everybody that were there was really what attracted me to it the feeling that everybody had different reasons for being there and for knowing the bride and groom and uh yeah and I I, I was actually writing another book when I went to the wedding and as we drove home it was like wow there's like stories just have created themselves in my mind around that kind of circumstance and and I actually put off writing it for a while I was trying to finish this other book and in the end I ditched the other story and just got stuck into that one and and um yeah it was just it was just a joy to write the three characters kind of came alive all by themselves it was lovely one of those books that kind of writes itself <laughs> wow that's incredible we all want that feeling so did you know on that drive home this is going to be a novel yes yeah yeah pretty much yeah like uh, pretty much the drive home so it's probably three and a half four hours from our place and yes the characters were all forming there were more characters uh and but they all formed it was like the, it was like they had stories already ready to be told and it was like you know if I have three women they need to have stories oh that story and oh that story yeah it was yeah it was pretty it was pretty amazing it's not happened so fully formed like that for me before and and as I said I held off for ages and then when I actually wrote started to write yeah it was it was yeah really different experience and, so and obviously a different genre for me too but it it kind of was a place that I needed to be at that time as well. So if it was so, if they were, you know, just desperate to emerge as it sounds like they were, but you were busy <laughs> trying to write this other book and trying to stay committed to this other book, did you allow yourself to write lots of notes like in your spare time or did you just, did they just crowd your head? Uh, well, I don't, I don't write notes. Um, I know that sounds really strange, but I don't write notes and I, I don't plot. Uh, but there was a part of my brain just working on it all of the time. Yeah, it was, it was, and I, it kind of works like that for me anyway. When I'm finishing one story, I often have the next story already starting to form in my mind. And I, I don't I have a way of just letting that play around while I'm working on something else. But my husband and I went to Tasmania and we did, a, we did a beach hike and all the way through that I was just thinking about this story and that was kind of what made me stop and I said, I really have to write this story now. Yeah. So when you, say, 
when you were, say, thinking about this story, because you said the characters really just formed, right? So that's fantastic. But you need more than characters for a great story, right? You need a, a, a story arc. You need things to happen. You need, you know, various plot points. Had you, by the time you were ready to write, had you pretty much planned the whole thing or were you still discovering what was going to happen to these oh, people? I think that I have um, ideas of where it would go and elements of the story that would be needed to, tol- to tell the progression. Uh, and But then when it gets to the writing, I think once I start writing, that's when the detail really comes into it. You can only plan. I mean, I could plan. I could think through scenes, conversations, um, moments that might happen, uh, but it's not until I get down to the writing that the detail and the actual how it works out is different. It's it's always different. I mean, it plays in your mind. And you go, oh, it's going to be like that, and then you write it and go, oh, it's really quite different to that. Yes. So this is, a, as you say, a completely different genre to what Jay Ford writes and you do have this dual life so jay ford uh writes thrillers and what is it number five number six how many how many thrillers are there now i've written five thrillers and before the summer place i have two romantic comedies written as jeanette paul yeah yeah so can you just take us back to before jay ford just briefly um what your career was up until that point and what made you think okay now i'm going to write fiction and then i'm going to write it as jay ford (laughs) Oh, okay, right. So, so I'm a journalist. I I did communications at uni like a thousand years ago and became a journalist. And I worked in print, radio, and TV. So I had quite a bit of writing experience across different kinds of platforms. Uh, and then I worked in. I ran my own little PR consultancy for a while. So another version of writing. But I don't think there was ever a thought that oh, I'm going to write fiction now, I was always thinking about stories. And it's more about stories than thinking about writing fiction. I was always thinking stories, occasionally writing down. I spend probably from um, when I first stopped work to have babies, when I'd first had my first baby and I was at home quite a lot. I start, that was when I first really started to write some stories down, never finished anything. Um, at the time, I was thinking I was writing um, romance, but as it turns out, it was romantic comedy. Uh, I didn't understand that at the time. So I actually wrote um, I, over a long period of time. It took me like 10 years to finish my first, get my first finished novel. It was very bad, but I didn't know that at the time. And so 10 years, and then I decided I loved writing and I think I was really, I think I remember around 40 thinking, I'm a, you know, this is a milestone. Am I going to go to my deathbed thinking that I always wanted to write that book? Not that, you know, 40 is very old, but uh, am I going to write that book or am I going to be on my deathbed saying, oh, that was something I really wanted to do? So around 40 for me, it was that choice to say, okay, now I'm going to write. And um, yeah, so I spent a long time writing two novels. I pitched them to various places. I got almost no response. And then the second novel uh, was a, it was romantic comedy, but I thought it was a romance novel and it got rejected left and right. But I actually did really well in a couple of competitions. But the turning point about becoming Jay Ford was I had finished this second novel and I sent it into a 
competition for unpublished writers and it missed the it got held up at the post office and it missed the deadline by like a couple of days and they sent the whole thing back to me and I spent like weeks throwing things and what am I doing I'm just wasting my time and then I went actually I really like this and so I'm going to write the book that I'd like to read right now and um it was my first ended up being my first Jay Ford novel Beyond Fear and um I didn't really kind of get the Jay Ford thing until I got a publisher and they said, what name are you going to use? And then my publisher knew that I had written these other books and asked to have a look at them. So my third novel was actually the second novel that I wrote. And she said, well, you can't be Jay Ford because it's so completely different to Jay Ford. So you can't be Jeanette Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So how did you pick Jay Ford? <laughs> <laughs> well, my... My Ford is half of my maiden name and Jay, because I'm I'm Jeanette and I've always been called Jay. So, yeah, Jay Ford. Okay, so you start writing these thrillers. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, so different to romantic comedies. Yeah. Uh, that's just, I don't even know exactly what to ask with that. It's like you just said that you uh, wrote the book that you wanted to read at the time. So were you like a voracious reader of thrillers? And yeah, at that time I was reading like back-to-back thrillers, loved it. And I so Why didn't you write thrillers in the first place? I, well, to be honest, I think I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I could I could piece it together in a way that would make sense. I thought it would I didn't think I could do it. So I wrote something else instead. And yeah, yeah, self-doubt. It's a terrible thing. And then and then in the end when I decided to write that thriller, I really thought I'm writing it for myself because it's entirely likely after the last 10 years or whatever that I it will never see a publisher. It will never be a book. So I'm writing for myself now. And so I wrote the book that I wanted to read and, yeah, it got published. Okay. So then you go on this path of writing thriller after thriller after thriller. What made you then kind of go with this go sideways and write in this completely different genre? So as I said, book number three was um, a romantic comedy and that came out under Jeanette Paul. Um, Thriller number five, so my last one, um, yeah, it was really tough to write. I had some health issues and my mum was in and out of hospital and I got really bad writer's block. I thought that didn't even exist, but, yeah, I had really bad writer's block. It was such a struggle to get to the end of that novel. And when it was finished, I'm like, oh, I can't, I just, my brain won't go back to that dark place again. And I said to my publisher that I just really need a break. And I thought she would say, well, come back and see us when you've got something. She said, would you like to write another Jeanette Paul? And I thought, absolutely, I really want to write something light. And I don't want to stop writing, but I want to write something light and funny and that feels really nice and sit in my office and giggle to myself for a while, which is, so I actually revisited the first terrible novel that I wrote, rewrote the whole thing. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, like it's a whole different brain space, really. It's a different vocabulary Mm. to crime, all the words that you reach for, all those descriptors that you reach for in, in a lot of ways, the pacing is the same, you know, because humor and that thrill that, suspense it's kind of the same process but using whole different analogy and vocabulary and it was really nice to 
I don't know, to, to find the sameness and also reach for the differences. And, uh, and I got to be the other version of me. You know, I mean, everybody's got different versions of themselves and I can be deep and serious and dark and I can also have a really good time and laugh a lot and be really silly. And I got a chance to do that with the romantic comedies. And then when it came to the summer place, I was actually trying to write another romantic comedy and uh yeah my mum's health issues continued to go downhill and you know real life kind of got in the way and the the writer's block was just and the self-doubt was yeah it was really tough so I struggled through this I was struggling with this romantic comedy and I just really didn't want to laugh I was so mad with so many things and I'm like ah and this story came into mind and it's about women's lives and what women go through and the challenges that they face, the personal choices that they made and might regret or that they have to choose to, you know, go in a new direction in their lives or take a big deep breath and do the brave thing. And I think most of us have been there and and it kind of felt like the kind of thing that I wanted to write about, more heartfelt stuff rather than the funny silliness, which is still fun, but Mm. I just wanted to write something that, I don't know, maybe spoke to me more as well. Mm. Mm. You speak about the brain space that you are in when you're writing something like this versus, you know, romantic comedies versus thrillers. When you are writing the thrillers, um, can you describe what that brain space is? Like what do you need to do to get into the right frame of mind to be writing that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know that it's a, I don't know that it's a, a conscious effort of getting in the right frame of mind, but it's more about getting into the character, getting into the feel of the character and dealing with suspense. And you know that there's something fearful hanging over the shoulder all of the time. So and because it's genre writing, you, you're forever funneling the story into the scariness and to the, into the suspense. So you're forever looking every step along the way is like some other reason for a sense of fearfulness or of being watched or of what's going to happen next. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a strange place. It's fun because it's so focused and like, oh, how else can I make this really bad? Oh, let's bump this up a little bit more. It is fun. It's also kind of, um, yeah, after five of them, I really needed to be in a different spot. Let's do something mm. nice to someone instead of like make it even worse. <laughs> Although yes. every book, you know, you're always throwing your heroines down the stairs. You always have to. <laughs> keep upping the ante regardless of whether that's a life felt thing or an external danger. Yeah. Will Jay Ford return? Um, Jay Ford hasn't retired completely. She's just having a little rest for a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she may also do what Jeanette Paul's done and go in a slightly different direction. Yes. Still crime. I, I still love reading crime and I've had this whole mad thing for the last, I don't know, 18 months for cosy mystery. Like, serious not the silly I shouldn't say that but it's all fun but the more serious side of cozy uh, and cozy makes it sound very light-hearted but yeah I just kind of been fascinated with how those stories fit together and how a character can run through series and yeah so who knows who knows where J- Jay Ford will go <laughs> so regardless of whether you're Jay or Jeanette when you're in the process the depths of writing what does your day look like and you know, what chunk of day or what time of day um, do you write and what is your goal for that day? 
Well, that that is part of that's kind of just a changing process at the moment. It's been part of the um the difficulty, the challenge of writing over the last few years has been rediscovering a way to work that works better for me. So in the past, when I was working to um, 12 month deadlines, I was eight hours at the desk. I would start at nine and I'd finish at five or six and I would have a lunch break and, and I would get down 5,000 words in a week and, you know, like good words in a week and I would just push on through. Um, but over time and through my battles of, um, you know, writer's block, I've discovered that I really should be spending less time at my desk and that getting up and walking away is a better thing for me. I think that over time I'm faster at writing than I used to be, but I need to be away and I need to be allow myself thinking time Um and so that when I'm that when my brain has reached the point to start writing the next bit, it actually comes out quite fast, you know. Sometimes, so at the moment, my goal is like about 500 words a day, which seems incredibly low to me. But when it actually is quite a joy to get it there, and so once it's at 500, I just take a little assessment of myself and go, will I stay longer or will I leave? And some days I'm writing a thousand words a day, and other days I'm like 500. That's it. I'm done. And I allow myself to do that now, a bit kinder to myself than I was. <laughs> and how long do you usually spend for that 500 words these days? Um, a couple of hours to get to 500. And I tend to write, so if it's a 1,000, I've probably sat in the afternoon, but I've had the morning doing other stuff. Um, sometimes it'll be in the morning and I get 500 words down before lunchtime and then I'll just say, I'm done. Uh, and other days I'll go, well, actually, I think I'll have another go. There's a bit more that needs to be done. So I'm kind of trying to um, write what is working for me rather than making myself come back and stare at the screen and say, what's next? <laughs> so uh, if you get your 500 words done in a couple of hours in the morning, do you then spend the rest of the day doing whatever you're doing, but as thinking time, as you say, yeah, or do you actually cut off? And do something completely different and try not to think about it. No, it's always it's always thinking time. And I think you carry that around, even if it's not conscious thought. Um, you know, I'm not con not necessarily saying and what happens next, but that story, the characters need to live a little bit in my head before I before I write it down, if you know, if that makes sense. It's kind yes. of hard to explain. And because I don't plot, um, and I really wish I could plot, but because I don't plot, um, it 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 seem it's a process that seems to happen in my head. So my brain knows where that story is going. The one that I'm mm. writing now, a new one, it knows where the story is going, but it's not necessarily worked its way around the next bit. So it's got to kind of play with the next bit. And then when I sit down and start the next bit, it kind of moves forward. <laughs> You spoke about writer's block and from the sounds of it, it sounds like you did not experience writer's block for quite a long time and therefore it was quite a shock when you did experience it. What do you think happened? What do you think? Um, how do you think it, it, it appeared suddenly? Well, it initially started. So I had some, I had some surgery. I had my gallbladder removed and I actually, and then I had a couple of health, health issues that came after that. And um, and I, I think the initial problem was anaesthetic. I have heard that that can 
cause problems. Um, something like for the number of hours that you're out, that's the number of weeks or something that affects your writing creative brain. Um, and so that was a different kind of the the initial kind of um, writer's block. It was I just couldn't. I just couldn't put words together. It was like a 12-year-old trying to write, which was drove me crazy. And then after that, it was, yeah, I just, I just seemed to struggle to even, I'd write a sentence and then I'd spend an hour correcting the sentence. It was madness. And, yeah, like literally driving myself mad. And because I was trying to make myself stay and write the words, it, I was just looking and I'd write a paragraph and then I'd rewrite the paragraph and I'd move sentences and and uh, and then... I so it was getting near to Christmas this time and we my husband and I went away for two weeks we're on a boat floating around for two weeks and I thought well I, I took my laptop and everything and I did not open it and I just spent two weeks swimming and eating and sunbaking and reading lots of things and that kind of relaxed everything so you know like the idea of take a break it's really sensible but we don't allow ourselves to do that so often and then I had the reverse thing. I came back. This was finishing my last um, thriller. Came back from holidays and I just, I couldn't, I just wrote and wrote and I could not get this story to end. It just kept, and I'm like, I just have to keep writing. I cannot stop. It's so nice that the words are flowing, but I just had to let it play out. And I was like, the, it was like the never ending story and so overwritten. And my wonderful publisher helped me cut that right back and chop out all the bits that weren't necessary. But it seemed to be, a process I needed to go through just to get the words flowing again. And, uh, yeah, and then after that, so that was the real, real, oh, my God, you know, writer's block does actually exist. And then after that, you know, I just think stress and, and you know, we went into COVID lockdowns. Mm. My my mum had a fall right at the beginning of COVID lockdowns and spent a month in hospital and, I was the only person allowed to visit her and that was a very stressful time. We ended up, we moved house twice. We ended up selling her house and she went into aged care. So like a huge amount of real life issues, which just makes it really difficult to write, to be creative, to think straight. And and I guess as much as anything, it's that self-doubt thing when when you've got so much stress piled on and you're cramming writing into small periods of time, you, you're writing that and going, well, that's rubbish. So, yeah. It's uh, some of it is just allowing yourself to write rubbish and just keep mm. and keep writing and um, yeah, just kind of find a way of freeing yourself from that. It's a very mm. it's, process and long. It's bra- it's bandwidth, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah, definitely you know allowing yourself to to get the Drano out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that it can flow again. Yeah. And I yeah. think that it's something that um, you're right, it's about being kind to yourself yes. as well when you need it. And I think that um, when you're earlier on in your career, you just work, run on more adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, and I there's more energy maybe there's more passion and drive because it's new and you really want to succeed but when you've already got a bunch of mm. books behind you that have been you know solid effort work to get finished mm. and you know my husband retired and so I'm like retirement's looking pretty attractive you know and do I even have any more story you know when you're feeling really dried up do I have any more stories have I written all the words that I've got in that well and uh yeah and 
Uh, and I didn't want to give up or I didn't, I wanted, if I was going to give up, I wanted to give up on my own terms, not because I just couldn't get words down. And uh, so there was some kind of stubbornness involved in it for me, but definitely some um, long, hard thinking about whether this is what I wanted to do. And, and you know, I guess in the end, the summer place was, it was a story that I felt passionate about. I, sometimes mm. when you're writing, you drop, put one down and you're creating another story sometimes the passion you don't get a chance to think it through enough you're just jumping into the writing and and I think part of it was this was a story I felt passionate about the three women in the in the story I really love them and you know a couple of the characters whenever I even now when I read back their stories I get tearful for them (laughs) (laughs) readers feel the same way and it's not just me (laughs) the way it's written it's for well for me it felt very visual it felt very like I was watching scenes in a movie or a television show, you know what I mean? And Lovely. it would then go to this scene and go to this scene and this had, you know, something, um, a, a, a big development and this was, you know, a little bit um, not as deep. Um, and it was it just played out very visually. Okay. Do you see things like that? Like are you seeing scenes yeah, in definitely. your head? Yeah, yeah, I've always had a very visual thing. I love movies as well, you know, mm, you know, big movie buff, have a big collection and love the I love the whole show not tell of a movie. How do you tell that story without putting words on it? And uh, and I I think that plays a lot in in my writing as well. Yes, very see that scene and and setting often helps a lot and having been at that beach and you know, it's a place that's not too far from us. We go there off and on and and in fact any of the beaches up along the mid-north coast they're very similar they're just that beautiful pristine those small little towns and the beautiful pristine beach and you know it's um it's evocative just being there and so yeah it's quite easy in that sense to um imagine those scenes on the beach and of course we're Australians as well and it's that sense of summer winter's over and you go to the beach and it's this beautiful quiet little beach and there is that sense of wow I'm here God, I forgot I forgot how great it was and imagine if you haven't been there for 10 20 years or or you can't go there when you when it's the place that you love Mm. it's set in Hope Head is that a real place um, it is uh, inspired by Scott's Head oh okay yeah Right, 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 right. Um, but I, I tend to reinvent the actual townships wherever I go. They're most often based on a real place, but I kind of rewrite a bunch of stuff into it and then think, well, I can't really call it that. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so you said that you're writing your next thing now. Mm-hmm. Is it in this genre? Yes, yeah. And so are you feeling like this is it, this is what I'm going to be doing now for the next little while while Jay's having a little holiday? Yeah, Yes, for now. And uh, so I have a new publisher, uh, Pan McMillan, and they've kind of said, what would you like to write? And so which is, yeah, also very freeing. And um, not that I didn't have that before, but it was like, sure, whatever, just let us know and we will talk about it. And so for the moment, it's very nice to know that for the moment I'm writing what I want to write and if I choose to write something else, there's an option there as well. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right, so The Summer Place, everyone, get yourself a copy. Um, let's leave on what your top three writing tips would be for aspiring writers who'd love to, you know, write a whole bunch of books in many <laughs> genres like you. 
Um, I think I think you write write the book that you feel strongly about, passionate about, angry about, whatever it is that's driving you to write that story. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to make a statement. It has to be something from your heart. And that in, in itself is a statement. So write what you feel passionate about. Um, keep at it because if you don't keep at it, that book will never be finished. And uh, and I, and I, I guess that means also keep at your voices. If you have another voice inside you, you know, be prepared to exercise it. And so there's probably four, but I want to say be kind to yourself as a writer. You know, like we, the, when I was um, coming up through the ranks and, you know, it was always like chain yourself to your desk and, you know, sit there and do the words, which is great. It's how you get started and how you get that first book finished. But, and maybe I'm a little bit over-disciplined. I have a tendency to be over-disciplined, but be kind to yourself, you know, like get up and walk around, go and talk to people, go and look at the world, be in the world, go and write in a cafe or find different places to be and, and give yourself time to think, find your place and allow yourself to do that. I love that. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Jeanette. Thank you so much for having me back. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're serious about completing your own novel manuscript, immerse yourself in our inspiring and motivational six-month program, Write Your Novel. Filled with weekly workshopping and practical lessons, you'll receive advice on structure, dialogue and much more, as well as tips on publishing. The online program fits around your weekly schedule and you'll get extensive personal feedback from your classmates and tutor throughout the program. Here's what Frances Chapman says. I was looking for a course that uh, would introduce me to other people who would be able to tell me if I was on the right track and I was hoping to learn some of the essentials around structure, point of view and voice and those kind of grounding essentials for novel writing. I first enrolled in a creative writing course at the Australian Writers' Centre and I really liked the tutor of that course so I had had another look and she was doing a six month write your novel course the next year. The course was so valuable in so many ways and this gave me an opportunity to meet other people who were going through the same kind of process. I found some people who were willing to give me some really constructive and helpful feedback on what I was writing. The other thing that was really valuable in that course was learning some of the fundamentals of storytelling. I would highly recommend any courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. Any author can, at any stage of their career can benefit from hearing the input of other writers. Find out more at writercentercomau slash novel writing. All right, so we've come to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also over at ValerieKoo.com. And, of course, you can find all of the show notes at soyouwantobeawriter.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.